Um, as I said, the, the John is the passage that's very interesting because it does not appear in any in the three gospels. It only appears in John. And John is the gospel that we inevitably, in every sense of the telling of the lectionary, it is always there. It is always there because it is so powerful and because it is about what we say is resurrection. But maybe owing because we have always had men look at the passage, we don't realize what we just saw in the puppet show. The puppet show said three people, one Jesus. One of them's dead. So literally, Jesus is listening and dealing with two women. And this passage is, the resurrection is a pretty powerful thing. But this passage is really about the death of something. The death of something in those two women and the resurrection of something in the world. For actually the passage begins in the Synoptic Gospels with Luke the 11th chapter when they said there were these two women, Mary and Martha. And they become archetypes. Because on this one thing, Mary... Martha, rather, is the one who is always running around, trying to do everything right. Martha is the one who cleans up after the mess with the children's sermon. <laughs> She's the one who is the person who is always doing things. And she relates to Jesus by the way in which she does things. And she believes that the way in which she knows Jesus is helping people and giving and going and in foreign fact, because Jesus loves her, because she's doing all of that. She is, in point of fact, very critical of her sister, Martha. And Martha is one who's younger, and she sits at the feet of Jesus and simply gazes at him and just wants to be in his presence. And she relates to him literally by his presence, literally by just being with him, getting to know him, imbibing him. And so you have Mary and Martha who both believe that Jesus loved them, both believe that Jesus is involved with them because either they're doing or being, and that way, Jesus notices them. In fact, in, in, in the synoptics it's, and, and, and in tradition, it says that Jesus always goes to their house. Why wouldn't he? He's got somebody doing two things. One, every, somebody's cooking and cleaning, and the other one, someone's just looking and loving. Amen. So of course she goes there. Where else is good? Can you get that? Better than an inn. And so they, they feel their relationships are based on these things. And it's very interesting because they're also trapped in their time. Then Martha's, be, she looks like she is just so traditional. And Mary looks like the rebel who says, I'm just going to stand in point of fact. The Gospels even said, oh, Mary chose the best part. But then... John comes, and their brother dies. And what a crisis it must have been. You know that crisis. When you feel that you and Jesus have a relationship, when you feel that there is love there, and when the possibility of everything that is right, is in our faith, grounded in what we do, grounded in who Jesus is, and then something happens. He's, he let me down. Oh, you know that moment. You didn't even know that you even had those feelings that because you did everything right, things were supposed to be right. 
You, you didn't even know it was there. In fact, if someone would have asked you before, you would have said, no. But then let an accident happen to a young person, and we say, why that person? Let something happen to someone who, would, who had stood up and who had done the right thing and who had almost have gotten into Stanford and, and, and had lived the right and, and dies. And we go, why that person? Let something happen to your marriage in which you have lived and loved and given everything you've got and then they betrayed you and you suddenly said, but Jesus, I thought you had this. I thought that's the reason we came to this church. I thought that's the reason that I knew you were there. It's because I thought that. Lazarus died. They send a note to him, by the way, before he dies and says, I'm in trouble. My, my brother is dying and he's sick and, and, and please come. And Jesus doesn't. In fact, he Delays himself. Ever had that feeling? Out of all the times and all the prayers and all the things that have been answered, when I really needed God, it felt like a delay. So this text comes where Jesus finally gets around to going there. And I want you to look when you go home at the text. And, and this is why I loved the telling with the kids. I want you to look at what happened. First, by him just showing up, Martha comes running out to him. And he says, and she has a theological conversation. She, she deals with him and says, hey, Jesus, if you were been here, you, uh, you, you, you wouldn't have died. And Jesus looks and says, ah, he'll be all right. Don't you believe in the resurrection? And she says, oh, buddy, yes, I do. <laughs> and this is how it's supposed to happen. Now, <laughs> y'all missed that. This is so funny, right? Jesus, he, she is telling Jesus how the resurrection is supposed to happen. <laughs> That's what happens to faith sometimes. It becomes such in a box of what we've learned, so in our theology, so in our thought process, so in what we expected, so in what we believe, that literally we lose a relationship with a living God, with the one with the historical God. Look, the reason I'm disappointed is because you were supposed to do it this way. Don't you understand the God thing? I do this, you do that. I show up there, you show up there. Much of our disappointment is because we are locked into what our expectations are. So he looks at Martha and he says, Martha, I got this. <laughs> Let me go and take care of this thing. And she runs and she goes to her sister and she lies to her, y'all. Flat out lies. She said, Jesus is here and he's looking for you. 
Where'd she get that from? That, 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 nothing in the he, we, Because she understood that is exactly what she expected. Those, there, are, there are those who believe faith is in the context. And, and, and excuse me, and I'm going to make this because it's, it's a short sermon. So I'm going to make this, a, I'm going to, because there are those of us who are in the church and we're denominational and we, and, and, and we have a certain expectation that God move and we're always getting beaten up. But be clear, there are other folks who get beat up because there are these other folks who believe that Jesus is in the knowing and the good and the growing. Jesus is in the how you feel about him. Jesus is in that. And so I, there can be a little narcissism in that. Oh, yeah. The only reason she came to Jesus is because she thought Jesus came for her. Her sister knew her faith enough to say, if I simply said Jesus is here and headed to the tomb, the reaction. Oh, he came to see me. <laughs> and she runs to him. Part of the disappointment that people have about God is they believe that God somehow is not only in Martha, is I do the right thing, God will do the right thing. And Mary is simply this, that God, if he does not do or she does not do what I ask her or what I ask him to do, It is not God, because God is all heart. And either way, Jesus looks at her. And here's what's interesting in the text. He has a theological conversation with Martha. With Mary, he literally, look at the text, does not talk to her at all. She says, if you would have been here, you would not have died. And he's sad. And he looks at the people who came with her and said, where did you lay him? Take me to him. So Martha, she is captured in what she thinks God ought to do. And Mary, she is captured in what she thinks she ought to feel about God. Jesus literally walks to the grave and does something that is pretty amazing, that completely blows everything. The king of the universe, the sovereign of all times, the one who made us, the one who knows theologically, the one who, who exists like Doctor Who in all times and dimensions. There's a few of y'all Doctor Who fans that got the cries. Jesus wept. A God that weeps is one that destroys the theological idea that God cannot be moved but by some divine plan. A God that weeps is a God that can, in fact, change God's mind in relationship. Jesus wept. And he looks at the tomb. And he talks to Mary one more time. And this, I wasn't going to preach this. Give me three more minutes. I'm going to say this. This was really mind-blowing. Even at the tomb. He looks at her and says, 
Mary, Martha, do you believe he can live again? Yeah, I really can, but you know it's at the resurrection. I'm standing right here. Why do you think I came to pay my respects? But she could not believe outside of her expectation. What is it that has happened to some of our faiths? This is the encounter of freedom this morning. The freedom to not only let God be free, but let our expectations of God be free. And by the way, this is the problem sometimes in the church. Only because it's in the outline and I know it has nothing to do with this church. That's why a lot of people have left people in the grave because they believe, look, theologically and sociologically, it cannot be true. So we've left people in the grave. For a generation, we believed that no gay, lesbian, and bisexual folk, they, they couldn't be loved by God. They left them in the grave. Why? Do you believe that they're loved by God? Yeah, but I can't figure out why. So let's leave them right there. Women preaching inconceivable for some of us. My God, how does that fit? Because God's a he and everything is a he and I don't get it. I just don't get it. Doesn't fit. So just leave it in the grave. What other things are we leaving in the grave because our faith will not let to be free? But here's the good news. Y'all got to see if I get excited sometimes. Here's the good news. Even if our faith isn't big enough, even if our feelings are hurt, God is still God all by God's self. And God says, come forth. Ah, you understand, that's why women, even when the church didn't accept them, kept on preaching because they heard the call. That's why LGBTQ even kept coming to church because they heard the call. That's why folks who were in slavery kept on believing they were free because they heard the call. The call of freedom does not resonate in us. It resonates in that which is behind the stone. And he comes out. He doesn't walk out. He hops out. He's bound. And if you've ever been where supposedly that tomb is, he hops up many stairs. And sometimes when I preach this sermon, I remind people who have been oppressed, just keep hopping, baby. You'll get there. Just, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You, you don't, you're, not, you're, not, you're, you're not expected. They, they may not, they, but just keep hopping. Yes, it's hard. Just keep hopping. Yes, they don't like your skin color. Yes, they don't like your gender. Yes, they don't like what, they, what something. But yes, you're not in the right class, but just keep hopping because you've heard the call. But then God, then Jesus sits in there at the gravesite. And Jesus looks at him like, I've done the work now. All you have to do is loose him. Now it's your job. Now it's your job. Oh, you don't understand. The, the mercy of God is this. Every Luther, I like Luther, so I'm not against him. I'm not against him. And I, and I, and I like Calvin, and I'm not against him, but God will even move when you have no faith. 
They did not believe in the resurrection of Lazarus until he hopped out and was standing before them. And God says, now that I've repaired your faith, now I want your works to be different. That is what this Sunday is about. You may be in the place of Martha or Mary. You may be in the tomb and have to jump out and still looking like all this work and all this thing, they don't appreciate me. Or you might be in the place going, doggy, I ain't no God move like that. That's something new. <laughs> Glory to God. I don't fit in anything I've seen before. But if they are big enough to answer the call, there is a call even to us. Now that I've blown your mind, loose your hands and loose them and let them go. Now a shameless plug. In a couple of months in this church, we'll be looking and talking to folks around the country about what do you do with privilege and what do you do when you have something and what do you do when you are in fact Mary and Martha, when you are in fact have a lot and want to do the right thing. How do you unwrap folk? Congregations are tired and should not be beat up because you got some, excuse me, <laughs> I got it, glory to God. The question is now what do I do with it? How do I discern the call? No, I'm not behind the stone. Someone has now in front of us. How do we unwrap them? So the answer to accounting freedom is where you're bound. And by the way, you could be bound in more than one place. In fact, I would say that Martha would never be Martha had not Lazarus died. Mary would never be Mary had not Jesus ignored her and showed her a miracle that she didn't even conceive could happen. And Lazarus, he'd never be known unless he heard the call. Today, I asked you to be free. No, it's not what you do. No, it's not what you feel. No, you don't have guilty if you don't have the faith to believe some things. The freedom is the one who's known us and knit us together in our mother's womb will love us in whatever state God finds us to move through the purpose that God has for us. Mary, don't you weep. Martha, don't you moan. Lazarus, Rise up. Here is the word of the Lord. Shalom.